Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. I think you'll enjoy today's show. Um, It's a little bit of a discussion about a family that you've heard a lot about if you're from the St. Louis area. And so we want to talk a little bit about the history of that family in St. Louis and some things I think that that you'll find very interesting if you've lived in or have any connection at all with the St. Louis area. But we also want to talk about something very practical, and that's the primary reason we have this guest, and that's planning for the cost of funerals. I mean, this is not a happy topic. Is this the first time we've dealt with this topic? It definitely is. It's It seems kind of morbid, but it's necessary because it's, our days are all numbered, right? It, yeah, it's inevitable. So it's interesting, though, that we haven't dealt with this topic before in the last, what, six years of this show or so. So, uh, But it is a topic that, that needs to be addressed. It needs to be discussed. Um, as a matter of fact, it can, if it's approached correctly, it produces a lot of relief, a lot of peace of mind, and takes a lot of worry out of a stage of life when you shouldn't be thinking about those things or having to be concerned about them. So we have also this same guest who's an authority on that topic and who can kind of give us an insider's view when you think about, you know, how do I best plan for the for what will inevitably occur, but I don't know when it's going to occur. And how do I control cost and and do things to minimize the stresses and whatnot that my family might deal with in the aftermath of my passing? So these are the sort of things we're going to talk about. Do you want to do a proper introduction of our guest, Joe? I would love to. We have Tom Buckholtz with us, the owner of Buckholtz Mortuary. Uh, Tom, welcome. Buckholtz has been around decades. 73 years. I mean, almost a St. Louis institution. You had at one point... How many locations? Four? Four locations. Yeah, I remember the West. Uh, I, I would see the Chesterfield location more often and uh, and have been there more than once related to friends friends or family. So uh, 73 years? Mm-hmm. Now, it, who started? It was started by my grandfather, who was almost 60 at the time, and William G. Buckholz. So this was a new business for him? It at was age new. 60? He had been in, yeah, he had been in... Uh, the funeral business for quite a while. It was kind of like crowdfunding. They sold stock, and uh, that's how he, it got funded. He was funded. crowdfunding before it was cool. Before, yeah, right. before it was yeah. the thing. That's right. And, and so uh, he ran it for a number of years, and then actually my father, Cletus, Buckholz ran it, and he ran it for a number of years. Now, this this was the first location was where? What, uh, West Florissant and Riverview, down the street from... Uh, Lombardo's restaurant. I remember that location when I was a kid. I grew up in Bell Fountain Neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we had that one for a while. And uh, then we also had uh, one in Spanish Lake on Redmond Avenue. And uh, then we had one in Old Town Florissant, uh, 619 Rue St. Francis. Uh-huh. And then we had one uh, out in Chesterfield and one in St. Peter's on Mid River's Mall Drive. Oh, yeah. I, I remember seeing that one, too. So uh, you all have downsized some. Yeah, downsized. Uh, the, a number of them, my father and uncles and brother, have all passed away. And so uh, with the family, it's myself and my sister, my sister Cindy, 
that are in the family that still do it. I, I have uh, some other siblings, but they're not in, in, the, in the business with us. So we kind of felt the need to downside some and uh, continue yeah. it like that. You know, I'm, I'm amazed and I'm impressed with families that manage to keep multiple generations interested in the family yeah. business. It's really hard to pull that off. Yeah, it's it's. I believe it's hard, and it's harder in the industry we're in than you know. Like my, I have a brother and a sister who aren't in it, and it's because it's it's a taxing industry. I can you imagine. Know, yeah, and it's hard, hard to do it sometimes. So when you were growing up, was it expected that you would go into the family business or? No, not at all. Actually, uh, I went away to college and. Came back and then uh, actually I worked at the funeral home and worked evenings uh, also and evenings by that all night long and stuff like that and went to night school too and uh, got an MBA and then I worked for another industry, you know, selling packaging products and stuff. And uh, they kept telling me, we need you to come over here and work for us. So, so your dad and how many brothers or sisters were involved in? Well, there was, uh, my grandfather was a twin. His twin was involved with it also. And then uh, my dad was one of five. Three of them were involved with it. And then my brother was involved with it. And there was a brother-in-law that was involved with it also. But not cousins of your... No, none of the cousins were involved with it. And and that's kind of how it is now. Like, I have a couple daughters, but they're out of town. And... Uh, they have their husbands have great jobs and great opportunities where they're at, and they don't really have an interest in it. And they never did. Never I mean, did. No. Yeah. And then, and then uh, my brother Jim, he had he had three daughters also, and the same same situation. They're all out of town, out in Las Vegas. So you know, like one of them left for a job out there, and then the other ones went out there and got jobs. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, yeah, in this world we live in. And so talk a little bit, if you would, about that, the industry. Um, I mean, are are more people choosing to do cremations? And, and as a result, I guess that would affect the industry. Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen... We know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help you protect your family, your legacy, and your future. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning. Count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. Are people still having traditional funerals? Is there a trend away from that? Yeah, they're definitely still having traditional services. And uh, there is a trend more toward cremation uh, in addition to uh, cremation uh, with flame. There's flameless cremation. Uh, which what is that? What is that? I know. <laughs> That's, it's a uh, process where they uh, have like 95% water and 5% alkaline. And uh, that's how the body kind of melts away. And it just takes a little bit longer and stuff. It's a slow process. And, you know, some people just don't feel like, you know, they think, well, the person has really suffered enough. I don't want them yeah. suffering anymore. So they don't want to 
the idea of putting them in fire. That's in right. Flames. It's exactly it. And so they they'll do it like that. So that's also another venue that people do. And then of course you have people doing anatomical donations where they're donating sure. their body yeah. to SLU or WashU or Logan. So that you're right, that would rule out cremation. Yeah, right. those, those are all ones. But then some of those places also use like uh, parts. They, for lack of a better way. They'll, well, they'll use cremation af- after the schools are done with whatever, and uh, exactly and things along those lines. And uh, then you have Mid America Transplant that's always looking for donations of body parts and stuff like that, and organs. And uh, so those are all things that kind of come in play. And like I say, they look for different venues and different things to do and people celebrate differently in terms of maybe they say oh it's just we're going to go to a bar or something as opposed Mm -hmm. to doing a church service and so it's it's kind of whatever you want goes nowadays and you know i remember when i was growing up it was very common to have two days of visitation and the third day a funeral um you don't see that anymore and I would think that would be because of the cost. Uh, not usually. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's actually, uh, I think it's just because people are on a faster pace and stuff. But um, we still have a couple of those a year, maybe, uh, two, where they'll stay, have two or three night visitations, mostly two. And then they'll have it like a traditional one. They'll go to a church and mm-hmm. have the cemetery deal and everything like that. And and don't you think a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the friends and family are more likely scattered geographically? So if you give notice, like four days notice, that you're going to be having this event, then you, clearly there are people who just can't come. And I think if they go out a month or or how often do often people will go out if they're doing a celebration of life thing? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it really depends. Uh, the, you know, we've had people that have uh, done cremations and then had celebrate, especially with COVID. Like we just had some that had they passed last year. You know, so it might be six, eight, nine months. I've heard away. Of this. Yes, yeah. we've had some like that. Some that we just buried. And yeah, and the advantage of that is that everybody can plan to come who wants to come. Right, yeah, right. and that's what they do. They take tallies. The family will take a tally. Can you come this day? This day? This day? And that's how they set it up. And then that's how we have it. Do you think the celebration of life services are becoming more popular? Well, I think all of them are celebrations of life. It's 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 just a little bit different. Uh, you know, you see more people. Um, you know, like we're, some people don't come, and so they'll do more Zoom stuff. We'll be doing Zoom stuff. and we'll That's be hard do- to imagine, uh, Zoom yeah. funeral. Yeah, yeah. Well, primarily what they do is they Zoom the service. They, won't, they don't Zoom much else than that. You know, but it'll be the service, and they want to hear the people talk and say the eulogies about yeah. the deceased individual. You know, but uh, yeah, there was quite a bit of that going on, and we're still doing some now, but not as not as frequently. Some people are like, "Oh, wait, I need I need to get this over with. I need to I need to move on." So those are the ones that want to do it as quickly as they can, and then the other ones are like, "Well, we still want to do it, but we want to do it with all family and as many family members that can come. And if it's six months, if it's nine months, that's what they're doing." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and is. 
have we seen the trend in your business that we've seen in so many where there are national companies that tend to acquire locals and it's dominated more by, I'm trying not to use the word chain, but you know, a, a brand that is national. Has that ever affected the funeral home business? Uh, yes, I, it, it has affected it in the respect that uh, the uh, there are more people, I think, uh, when they have those chain-type situations with, with funeral homes, they don't seem to be as personable, okay? And... Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think all those people have compassion just because they're in the industry. Sure. But but they have more requirements, and you know, and and to do certain things and get stuff done, and as opposed to taking time with families and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So so that's kind of as how I see it anyway. Well, and it still seems to be something dominated by local names, like your name. I mean, Buckholz is. I mean, it's a name people associate with the business, and and that's, I think that this is, what you do is more intimate than many other things. I mean, there aren't many businesses that are more intimate than the dealing with the subject of death. So I think people like to have a familiar name. You think yes, I, I think the... they do, and, and I think it, it helps, you know, that you've been around for a long time and people know and have heard your name and other people – come to it and say, hey, yeah, that, that I had a service there, and it was good, and the people were good, and, right. and uh, I felt good at going to them, that I was glad we did it. So if you would talk about, um, about how people deal with uh, cost, um, there's insurance available, I know, so we want to cover that, but, but tell us what you see in terms of percentages, do do they have any sort of insurance or plans in advance? Is that a minority? For the people we deal with, I'd say it's a, a minority. I would say like maybe only 10% of the people oh, have really? insurance. Yeah. Yeah, they, they uh, seem to pay mostly with cash or they'll, they can, of course, will accept an assignment on a policy. And um, if they're writing one, some of the, funeral homes we don't handle them but we don't um we don't write with insurance our our funds are all trusted we trust them ours are trusted here locally with the united missouri bank what does that mean trusted well the money's put in trust so like uh, when somebody does pay uh let's pay premiums pay 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 money down put money down for what their wishes are Mm -hmm. uh those those costs get frozen a lot a lot of them get frozen and that money goes into um into a trust which is with united missouri bank who also holds the trust for most of the funeral homes in the st louis in in the metropolitan areas of all Throughout the state of Missouri. And so this is an alternative to insurance. This is where yes. people are just putting money down in advance. Yes. And do they lock in the price by doing that? Well, they lock in. We'll lock in our services, okay? And we'll lock in uh, a lot of the other things, uh, but some things we can't lock in, like uh, cemetery costs, uh, if you're going to have a religious service, if there's honorariums. For for priests and servers and organists and cantors, so third party charges, yeah. relating to the event itself or things you can't control. You can't. No, right, 
We can't control those. Um, but we'll, we can, you know, take a, like a cash fund so that people will have some of that money paid for if they want to, to help out the family. Most of the people make the arrangements because either they feel a need because maybe they were through it and had a family uh, member that passed away, a mother or father or something, and they're like, oh, that was just terrible. I don't want my kids to have to go through that. And they so, want to ease the burden they, on they their family. They want to ease the burden on their family, and and so that's why they do it. And then and then their the family member might want to do that. I mean, they they'll say, "Yeah, we I got to do this." You know, I I remember how it was for my doing my husband's or whatever the situation is. Yeah, and so they're they're eager to do it, and and when they do it, they feel so much relieved and that they've done it. So what is the the range of costs today? Um, I mean, give uh, some people have familiarity with what costs run uh, watching this, but I know that there's some who don't, who haven't been in a position to, to where they were involved in paying for the death or uh, covering that for a loved one. What's the range of costs that exist? Well, you're probably talking about like for a traditional service, probably, you know, eight to $10,000. And then you might be talking in another uh, $1,500 in cash advances, which is like the newspaper, like I'm saying, those ones that, you know, stuff like that. And people don't do that as much anymore either. No, they definitely don't. And it's because it's gotten so expensive. And they're like, and then they'll, uh, like we offer, we'll put it up on our website at no charge. And so they'll be like, oh, we'll just tell people to take a look at that. So how much does an ad to post a funeral notice now cost? Well, if you do a three-liner, it's like $62. After that, it jumps pretty quick to 300 500 Some of those ones that you see that are... A display ad. Uh, yeah, with, with, a photo, photo. with a photo and everything like that. Yeah, they'll, they'll run easily. We have a lot, number of them that run over $1,000. See, my mom's, I remember, in 05, and I... Did the photo, and I think it was around three, four hundred, something yeah, like well, that. Yeah, they, well, they've jumped a lot since then. I mm-hmm. mean, like, uh, you know, most of them now, if you do anything beyond three three uh, lines, which is abbreviating when you're telling people when the service is, and that's without a photo and everything, then you're talking about $300, $500, $1,000. And the go-to publication is typically what, the Post-Dispatch? Post-Dispatch, Post, yeah. Yeah. Now, I imagine a lot of people would use Facebook, too. Yes, oh, they do. A lot of they'll, people do. They'll, they'll do that, too. And, you know, like if you if you list in the obituary how you certain ways, then that's an additional charge. You know, if you list, uh, go to our website or something like that, then they charge, postal charge additional for that. So say eight to 10,000 would be like average, would you say? Yes, I'd and say And that's that. visitation and then the Yeah, that's service. traditional versus maybe... On a uh, cremation, you might be talking maybe uh, fifteen hundred to three thirty-five hundred or something like that. Big difference, isn't there? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it's about half the price, you know, and just depends what they want to do. And then so many people actually have a gathering afterwards too, yeah. where they'll go to a restaurant or something like that too. Are there church? Yeah, a lot of times. Well, it's they'll go to church, like back to church, a social hall at their church, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, to have a meal, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Have you seen the those prices though go up a lot in the last year? Were they hugely affected by this inflation that's been 
hitting some things more than others? Well, merchandise, of course, did go. Like caskets, they even had surcharges. We received like three notices on surcharges on caskets. Uh, so it was start off like maybe $25, $35 for a casket in addition in terms of our cost, and then it would go. Then it it's up at one hundred and thirty-five dollars now. So, and that's yeah. above the list price. Yeah. Oh yes, that's over yeah. and above that. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. those are those are some of the things. And then of course flowers. Everything has gone up in terms of cost. So it's a big inflation beater in terms of that. I mean, it'll, it'll control a lot of those kind of costs. And um, we haven't changed our cost for services hardly at all. You know, it's only been in merchandise, really. So yeah. with these prepaid funeral plans, how exactly does that work? I mean, I, I imagine the person gets to choose, you know, whatever details, you know, what they want to be laid out in, um, what music they want, things like that. Yes, they uh, they choose all those things. Primarily, we get all, you know, we want to get the vitals on someone so that we have that information for them. Okay, so because you know, uh, I some people you ask them. Okay, what's what's grandma's name? What was grandma's name before she got married? What's her maiden name? Gosh, I don't know. That's grandma. Why? Why do you have to know that? I was curious. It's for death certificates. You know, you have to have the husband and wife, uh, the parents of the decedent. Oh, the parents. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But, but the kids that are doing the arrangement—that's their grandma that we're asking about, and they don't know that. They may have died before they were even born. Right. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that you get that information and Social Security numbers and and find out what kind of services they want. Well, we want to go to a church or we don't want to go to a church or, you know, we want to have a visitation, uh, you know, and they'll tell us how long they think will be good. And we just make notes about all that kind of stuff. So how often, though, is it the the deceased who's coming in and sitting down and saying, I want to do this. The deceased to be, you mean? The deceased to be, yes. (laughs) Not too many of the deceased come in like Uh, that. Yeah, that would be very unusual. (laughs) So, so That's another show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to uh, go into the supernatural. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so tell me, how often does this person come in and sit down? I would feel weird sitting across the table and saying, now, this is the songs that I want sung. This is the way I want it done. Actually, a lot. A lot of. I mean, a lot of people do that, and again, it's because they had an experience with maybe their husband or maybe their wife passed or their parents, and it was really a burden for them. Yeah, you know, to go through those choices and make those choices. So they'll they'll tell you what they want to do, and of course, it can be changed. The people can change it later on, and some do. Some do, but mostly they try to adhere to whatever was chosen. Yeah, yeah. What's the most unusual request you ever had from someone that was coming to you with their plan? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's the most unusual. There's lots of them that, I mean, we have different things. different things that they like to do for the service like and most of those we don't know till the last minute you know it'll be like oh dad was a golfer we need to we want to put golf balls and his clubs in there with them uh-huh or oh there's probably lots of things similar oh to yeah F- fishing poles baseballs uh bats 
all that kind of stuff. You know, we get lots of requests to do stuff like that. Cans of beer. And, really? Oh, yeah, cans of beer, and, and uh, you know, you'll get bottles of wine or whatever. People want to put that stuff in there. Yeah. We, we don't worry about it too much. I mean, it, you know, sometimes you're going along, and all of a sudden that, that golf ball that was there is rolling, and you can hear it <laughs> plop, 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 <laughs> you know, stuff like you know, that. You know something I've never heard of being done, but, I, but it, it would seem to make sense to me, and that's for somebody to— make a recording of, you know, a, a speech that they would make at their funeral or, you know, just to, to talk to the people there at the funeral. Maybe that comes across as morbid. I've never seen it done, never heard of it being done, but it but it would be interesting to be able to go to a funeral and hear somebody, if they know they're dying, so maybe they're in their last week, two weeks. Some people fit that profile. Sure. Others, others, you never know. But But for those people to be able to talk to the people at their funeral... It would see it would be spooky, but have you ever seen anything like that? I've seen it only on like YouTube and stuff like that. You know, okay. where like uh, I've uh, seen where they had one where some guy made a recording, and everybody was at the gravesite, and you know, and he was going, "Oh, let me out of here! Let me out of here!" <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, and everybody was in hysterics. <laughs> Oh my god. That guy had a sense of humor. Very much yeah, so. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, anything goes nowadays. You know, we it used to be like traditionally like, you know, they'd have the visitation and then they'd have uh the service, like maybe at our place or at a church or something like that. Well, we have them where they'll go, Nope, let's have the service first and or let's have the burial first. Let's go back. We'll have. We'll then have a v- gathering visitation, and then we'll have go to church after that. I mean, so you can take really. It from, oh yeah, it's like I've never been the to shell a service game. like that. Yeah, the, it's like a shell game. They do whatever you know. Like people tell us what they want to do, and that's what we do. Well, you know, it is a little clunky whenever you you go first to the church, and then you um, you gather there and you do some visiting there. You have a, a ceremony, we'll say, and then you leave and you go somewhere. Some people go, some people don't, um, and then sometimes only certain people are asked to go, like family. So then that that you know is an hour, hour and a half, whatever it ends up being, and then they re- typically return somewhere, maybe to the. In my case, it's often to the church where my family, where I've been involved in funerals. But you know, I can see where there's a certain efficiency if you had the burial first. Yeah, but most of the time. People want to have that time where there's a casket of burial or where they have photos there to help remember that person. And then that that brings to mind to people to, to talk about that. And it's that conversation that they have with other members, people visiting, friends, and stuff like that, that helps them realize that someone has passed, especially if it's in a in something that happened very quickly. And was unexpected. Now, yeah. talking about the the photos and the videos, who puts together the videos? Does the most funeral? of the time the family we, we do do it, but most of the time the family will come, say, "Hey, we have a flash drive. Can you play? Can we play it here?" And I said, Sh- "Well, we like, yeah, sure, sure." But I'm saying something that's produced and put together. Well, that's usually what they'll do. I mean, the family people, will do a, it. A lot of times, the family. I would say, probably. Uh, 
80% of the time, at least. Mm-hmm. Most people are pretty literate with that sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays. Especially yeah, all the, nowadays. What you'll get is you'll get some younger one, somebody even younger, to be like the a techie. You'll get a techie that'll do it and say, oh, yeah, give me the pictures. I'll do that. I'll put that together, and we'll, we'll put some background music with it. And uh-huh. So is entertainment, or entertainment is the wrong word, performers or a song or something, is that as common today as it was 20 years ago? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, they, I think they like to uh, play um, songs that they want to play, like whatever they want. I mean, we play a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, you know, stuff like sure. that. You know, just people have, you know, uh, all kinds. I mean, we we play, play some that, you know, that would be something like Meatloaf would play even. I remember those. Really? Oh, yeah. You know, and you're like, what the heck is going on here? So, But if that's what they want, that's what we play. I'm sure you remember a time when, Virtually anybody who went to a funeral would feel obliged to put on a dark suit or a tie jacket, and that's gone. That's long gone. Yeah, no, I mean, we see people in shorts, you know, we'll see them come in in casual clothes, whatever the, you know, anything goes nowadays. Like I said, it's whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, So let's talk for a second about the difference, though, between a prepaid plan and the insurance plan. Maybe there isn't much of a difference, but but you, most people, I think you indicated, go ahead and and they'll contact you in advance. They'll make arrangements to create this account, which is in trust. The funds are protected, and et cetera. So I see the advantages of that. But when you think about insurance policies that are sold around the country, do you see a lot of that payment through that method? Well, uh, not that much, really. Like I said, it's not... It's not what you normally see. It's not what we see. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a good method to use. Um, we do have people all the time. I saw one recently where somebody had, through their work, had a life insurance that they could... Um, convert? Yes, convert to the deceased. Yeah. And this was a, a young person that had passed. And I had not seen any of those before. Wow. But uh, that was something that was that's different. And, but you never know. I mean, like we will do whatever. We'll try and work whatever they can, however they want to do it. It's it's easiest for us and and for them if it, if they put the money out and we do the cash. But if they want to buy a policy, fine. We take we take the pre need information and we call it an info one. So and we hold on to that yet too. Now, mm-hmm. how is it executed at the time of the person's death? I, I, I think I understand that the person names people listed on uh, the plan to carry it out. Is that well? When we first get, you know, when someone passes, we'll get a phone call, okay, and whether it's in, uh, whether they pass in St. Louis at the house or residence, or they're down in Florida on a vacation. They should call us first if that's what they know they want to do because then we can either arrange it down there or arrange up in St. Louis here where, they, where they're going to go. And what if they have a prearrangement, then we have a lot of the details of what's needed and what they're going to want. So it's transferable. Yeah, it can, can be tra- it. it can be transferred, but then we can also arrange with somebody down in Florida to do the pickup at the place of death. And then if we have to have them embalmed, 
uh, then we might have it embalmed down there and shipped transported. Uh, remains transported back up here by uh, plane usually. But yeah. I can see how time is kind of of the essence because it's it's more it makes more sense for you to know while the person is there at the hospital, say they just passed away, and then they would the body would be transported directly from the hospital to to your mortuary. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yes. Typically. Yes. yes, we would we would have our people do that, go pick up as soon as they're released from the hospital. Okay. And and then in the interim, there might be a situation where Mid America is going to be picking up uh some organs from the deceased. They will contact the family that the hospitals know to contact them immediately, and they do, and then they will call the family and ask them. There's a lot of times it happens they're in transit to us, and they'll say, oh, can, can you reroute them to, to Mid-America Transplant so that we can oh. perform our stuff? So that, those It procedures. has to be done prior to embalming. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and probably in a sterile environment in a facility, maybe at the hospital or at their facility. Yeah, they don't. They have their own facility, uh, and uh, it's not done at the hospital, but it's their own facility, and I'm sure that's what the situation is. Yeah, to protect those um, organs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And then uh, the... The death certificate, the the you all prepare typically. Yeah, well, so when when that person calls us and let us know, oh, we will then set up a time, usually like the next day, so that that they can come in. We can review the information we have, make sure nothing has changed, like their address or whatever the situation is, and and review everything like that. It's all correct, because that's how it's going to be on the death certificate. And you need to have it right, especially like Social Security numbers and stuff like that. And then if you get somebody that's a veteran, they need to be sure to have that DD-214 form so that they can get in, whether it's for them or for their spouse, so they could get into Jefferson Barracks if that would be a a choice that they would want. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's a separate transaction to buy the cemetery plot. Yes, it is. That's something independent of Mm -hmm. the arrangements with you. Is that correct? Yeah, that is all independent. That's the cemetery. And um, typically, how much does that cost? Well, the plots vary with the the cemetery, whatever one it is, because they're all independent. Okay, and uh, let's say Calvary, for example. Well, I'm not sure what they charge for their plots, but they're... Uh, opening charge, a regular depth, is about $1,400 right now. And uh, if you go extra deep, which would mean you bury one lower first, and then somebody could be buried on top. Uh, that's is that commonly a, done? It is done sometimes, and it is done all the time at Jefferson Barracks. Hmm. You know, And uh, then if there's anybody, uh, a veteran that has some family member that is a challenged individual or uh, has some uh, issues and has it verified, they can possibly be buried at Jefferson Barracks, too. Uh, They have changed some of the rules recently where they have to get it re-verified. Like, they may not have had it verified when they were born 20 years ago or 30 years ago or something, and then all of a sudden they pass. Well, in order for the child, the minor, 
who was a minor at that time, uh, they have a have to have like a recent uh, certification from a doctor that they were in their, under that care and they still suffered some of those problems or had those issues. And if they do, then that allows them to have burial at Jefferson Barracks with the veteran and the family. And so when you have, though, people that are buried on top of others, that extra mm-hmm. deep, is that somebody that's always related? Yeah, usually. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, they and, and there are other issues, like some of the cemeteries now are starting to only, they're like leasing space. But, I mean, that's all, like, really technical and really crazy. You don't hear that much of that. So so the when I'm looking at the costs here, where 8 to 10 is just average mm-hmm. in, like, the funeral and— and then you have some additional costs. You're probably talking another close to uh, for, for the extra charges. If you had to purchase a lot and everything, you're t- probably talking another 2,500 hours and then the opening of the charge with that, opening of the grave with that. And then if you turn around and get another a marker, you can be talking another, even a small marker, another 2,400 hours or something like that on For top the, of these. Yes. The small ones. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're at 15,000 pretty quickly. I would say if you get the whole, if, if you're talking about the whole thing, I mean, sometimes there's space already there and there's a monument there and they just have to do lettering. Right. And then you're only talking a few hundred hours or something like that. But it, it kind of depends what, what they want to do. Some people want to, um, you know, buy space and buy it for the whole family. You know, so people who've not who've not prepaid or who've not bought funeral insurance, uh, is there financing available? Have you had people come in and you can just tell that the family doesn't have any money and they're they're saying, you know, how do we get financing? When they make payments, they can make payments on a pre need, and if they pay it off within a year. We but, don't charge anything extra. But now if that, it's somebody's at need and passes like that, uh, we try and work something out so that they can do it and w- work with their budget or whatever the situation is. We try to do whatever we can to yeah. work with anybody that needs the situation. And we yeah. also see the GoFundMes. Yeah, really? you see oh, some of that. Good. You know, no, this recently— This is a thing? Oh, yes. In fact, I know somebody that just lost their teenager suddenly, and somebody started a GoFundMe, and within two days, $15,000 was raised. Really? And that was for funeral expenses? Yes. Yeah, it does happen. We have had some like that. Well, it's hard. How do you keep up with these changes? (laughs) You, You just do whatever you can. To help the families, especially when you don't have a child that's that's in the business to, to say, Dad, look, they're not doing that anymore. Or Dad, <laughs> this is how this software. Oh, I hear works. that all the time, even though my daughters are out of town. <laughs> I have two daughters too. I'm starting to hear it. So, <laughs> but yeah. um, you know, it's been Buckholtz. Uh, the the idea of not having Buckholtz in St. Louis area in in the funeral business it just seems doesn't well, seem right. I, I don't see it yet, so. Well, you plan to be here another 30 years, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think it'll happen, but I'm sure that's what I plan. Now, what does happen if someone gets a prepaid funeral plan and that funeral home goes out of business? It, it will transfer to some other? Right. Yeah. It's... Usually what happens is, uh, for instance, it would the funeral home might sell, and that and they would also be purchasing 
uh, the the funeral plans, the prepaid plans. So they would recognize. Right, yeah. Okay. Or the other option is that they could go to another funeral home. Yeah, because the funds are in trust. Yeah, so, so it's okay. not really, you know, they just have to sign some papers and send some letters and stuff like that. Now, when a person goes in and purchases this prepaid p- funeral plan, do family members often come with them, or are yeah. they doing this solo? No, most of the time it's not done solo. Usually there's more than one person there. Maybe it'll, the other person that's with them is a, a, a son or another sibling or something, so that so, more than one person knows what the plan is or what the idea is. You know, So they, they just kind of share it. And actually, a lot of the pre-needs are, are very lighthearted. People laugh a lot about them, I guess, because they can make the jokes about it and and stuff while people are living. Yeah, and have a and, and it's relaxing for them. You know, they they are so overwhelmed with it. And then when the person does pass away, they're they're like, "Oh, we're so glad we did this before." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would have been imagine. so hard. Yeah, so, because so hard. easing the burden on the family members, you know. They're dealing with the grief, loss of their loved one, and then having to go and plan their loved one's funeral. It's a right. lot. And, and then not only that, then they have all all kinds of other things. Oh, my gosh. What about the house? What about the cars? What about this? What about that? What about, How many titles do I need You know, to change titles on all these right. things that they have and, and take care of all that? And it just it, it can be overwhelming. That's why yeah. we do a lot of shows on estate planning, don't yeah, we? Yeah, I was thinking that sounds like <laughs> sounds like this meeting you're describing could turn into an estate planning meeting. <laughs> you should probably have the lawyer there too, and you just take care of everything. There you go. Well, you, go. I, you know there are some similarities because with estate planning, and this has to be true too for many people relating to planning for their funerals. A lot of people just don't want to do estate planning because the idea is maybe depressing or they just don't want to think about it or maybe they think it's not going to come anytime soon and then all of a sudden it comes and then the you know the kids are standing around thinking you know it really would have been much easier if mom and dad had made this clear sometimes it's a matter of just a conversation with the kids and, yep. and this may tie in with you too is let's assume that the parent has done some estate planning but you know, it it might come. Some of the things that were decided might come as a surprise to some of the kids, you know. And this happens all the time. So because the parent didn't want to sit down at Thanksgiving or some other time and sit down with the kids and say, "Look, let me give you a heads up. This is the way I've planned my state." If they had done that, there might have been some ill feelings at the time or whatnot. But but everybody would have been on board. But when it's unveiled by a lawyer after the person's gone, then it's it's an invitation. It's to... upsetting. So I guess then the the parent will typically bring kids, probably more commonly. Right? Yep. Yep. I would say yes. They you always try and have somebody else there, you know, so that they know what the situation is and what they want to do. And then we make notes and they go, Oh, they went to play that song? Oh. Oh, okay. I mean, sometimes it helps them because they're like, oh, I don't know what songs to play. I don't know what to do. And then if we have some notes regarding it, it just helps. Any little thing helps. Yeah. Anything yeah, that can you imagine. can help them with. Huh. And, and uh, tell me what is 
is the typical time in advance that somebody does this. Have you seen people do this in their 50s who are healthy? Yeah, they'll do it in 50s, they'll do it in 60s, 70s, wherever they want. Sometimes they'll do it because they got a bad notice and yeah. that they're not they're going to pass and they're only going to live so long. That's what I would think would be yeah. most common. You get common. some of those and then you also get ones that are in the situation where you know what? I don't I'm sick. I've been sick for a long time and uh, I'm going to have to go on uh, state aid. So I need to spend my money down and get it down to $999.99. You know about this. Yeah, it's common when you're doing, uh, this is Medicaid planning, folks. Uh, But it's, you know, one of the the legislative provisions is that you're allowed to spend money for your funeral. And uh, it's... it's foolish to not go ahead and take advantage of that when you can. It's not held against you as having an asset that will be counted for Medicaid purposes. So, whereas insurance can be counted. Yeah, yeah. Insurance could be whatever the uh, cash value. cash cash surrender value is. Yeah, and, and that that's not good. Now, do you ever get someone that says, "I don't want any type of service at all. I just want to be buried or cremated"? Sure, that well, happens all. That happens. You know, people say that just like, uh, you know, one of the famous ones that people say all the time or if they're going to have a, a casket burial, just put me in a pine box. I just <laughs> want to go in a pine box. You know, so you get you get stuff like that that is repeated. Do you ever you know. get family members afterwards very upset because they needed that closure by, you know, having the service? I think a lot of – most people um, – feel very relieved if they've had that opportunity uh, because maybe they the person they that we're talking about maybe was really sick for a while and suffered and did not look well. And if we can make it, that deceased person look more like they thought they should, then they're very happy and that makes them feel better. And they'll be like, oh, yes, yeah, she's... This person looks so much better than when we saw him in the hospital or wherever. You know, it gives them a better memory. They don't want that bad memory of looking that they suffered yeah. and, sure. and they had IVs and all yeah. that stuff. So all that kind of helps. But you can only do so much. Yes, that's well, true. Well, and I think yeah. that's why some people opt for the closed cast. Sure. Yeah, that, we don't see that many that opt for that. No? No, uh-uh. No, if they're going to have a... If they're going to have a casketed burial, um, most of them will open up, you know, have it opened in terms of the casket. And then we always, that's the private time that we have for families. If they come in and um, they view the person and they would say, no, we don't want it, close it, or we don't want anybody else to see them, we would close it. But we personally don't have that issue. I have good embalmers. Yeah. Well, my husband, that really upsets him, the open casket, but I'm just the opposite. I want to see the person. It brings me closure, Mm -hmm. being able to say. Sure. Everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody. So it's whatever, however it feels. And some people will avoid some of that and not go to the funeral home, but they'll go to a service at a church because then they don't have to view them or something like that. Or they'll go late so that they don't have to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting that the substantial majority, if they have a coffin or have somebody there in a casket, 
then they will have it open at mm-hmm. the service. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, I guess that's been my experience too, what I've seen. So very interesting, Tom. You know, this is <laughs> this is a really a fascinating subject. And maybe in part it's because people don't talk about it that often. I mean, in your world, you talk about it all the time. But, that's right. But people just don't want to because they find it morbid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if they're being touched at that time by someone that's sick in their family or they're concerned about somebody or a friend or something, you know, they don't want to talk about that. And and I can't say I blame them, you know, but um, eventually they have to. Somebody's got to. Well, um, marvelous information. Uh, I know that people will have questions. We'll have follow-up information, which will be available on the website for Buckholtz Funeral Homes. This has been Tom Buckholtz. Thank you. Fascinating subject. With that, this has been another episode of Life's Third Act. Take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.